in the book of Colossians, and uh, we are in chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. And if you would like to just follow on the screen behind me, we'll have, uh, we'll have the scripture come up here, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the gospel, the same gospel that's making its way through Germany and through Greater Europe Mission. <clears throat> so, today's scripture from Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, says... For he delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. So let me pray as we get started. Father God, I pray that this morning's message would, would be you speaking to our hearts. Each of us has uh, different things that we're involved in and different parts of the journey that we're, we're a part of. And we pray that this morning, you would speak to us so that we would leave here today knowing that there's some sort of action that we need to take in our lives, but also knowing that you have connected with us. Jesus, it's all because of you. In your name we pray. Amen. So right now, here this morning, in our little church of Thornhill, there's about 75, maybe, maybe over, just a little bit over 100 of us here, and... We are men and women and children, all who have had Christ change our lives or is in the process of changing our lives. And this change is happening at different speeds and in different ways in all of us. But the awesome thing about it is that each and every one of us has a story. A story of our relationship with the living God, the creator of the universe. A story that we need to share because people need to hear of the hope that we have in our Savior. And we also need to share our stories because it can impact another person's life. And it's a reminder to us of the amazing work that God's doing in our own life. Because we can go get so busy with work and with school and with life and our career. And we can forget the things that God has done in us and through us. Many times in the scripture we find leaders telling people to remember, to look back and see what God has done in your life. So we all have a story that God is writing or telling through our life. And, and we want you to know that no matter where you are on the spiritual journey, you're welcome here at Thornhill Baptist Church. Because some of us here this morning, we would call ourselves Christian. We're following Jesus Christ. But some of you here today, maybe you wouldn't call yourself a Christian or you're not following Jesus yet. But the truth is, God is working in your life. Because whether you know it or not, just the fact that you are here this morning tells me that the Holy Spirit of God Almighty is at work at you, in you today. So Jesus is working in our life. And as we are here worshiping the Lord this morning in, in the city of Calgary, worshiping a Jesus that has changed so many of our stories... We worship in this great country of Canada where we have the freedom because of men and women who have given their lives for us to worship our faith, our religion. Remembrance Day is tomorrow and we can be thankful for that and wear a poppy and thank our veterans. But if we want to push out and go on a broader level, even though we're here worshiping Christ in our little church in Calgary, in Alberta, Canada, North America... 
There's about two billion stories of people on this planet who have said that they have encountered Jesus Christ. And most of those say that their life will never be the same. And the God of all the universe takes all these stories and he funnels them through four channels of his grace. And we're going to look at that today. And, and then he sends us back out. Now this morning we're going to talk quickly about four points of the gospel that bring us all together. Mentioned here in Colossians 1 verses 13 and 14. But if you're a guest here this morning, some of you may not have known, uh, a little recap... We have been, as a church, for the last several weeks studying the book of the Colossians in the New Testament. This short letter that the Apostle Paul wrote. And for those of us who don't remember who the Apostle Paul was, he is one of the reasons that it took me so long to start following God. You see, one of the biggest stumbling blocks for me with Christianity was religious nutballs if you know what I mean. These extreme, super religious, Ned Flanders type of people mixed with a little bit of Rambo attitude. So they, they pound you with their religion and their fanatical ways and they're all up in your face and they're dangerous. Well, the Apostle Paul, he too was deeply religious even to the point of being considered a fanatic. And he followed the Jewish faith so intensely that when Rome was arresting followers of the new way, of this Jesus way, he jumped right on board persecuting the Christians. He even went so far as to be a leader of the pack. He would actually gather these people up and throw them in jail and where they would be put to death or rot away. In fact, one time, this, this Paul held the coats of the guys who killed one of the first Christians in the Bible. His name was Stephen. And yet... In Acts chapter 26, verse 18, the God of the universe changes this man's story, this Christian murderer, this guy named Saul. God changes his story forever. And he gives him the name Paul. And he says, Paul, I'm going to send you to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive the forgiveness of sins and place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So at Thornhill, we're going through and studying this letter to the Colossians that the Apostle Paul wrote to this New Testament church in Colossae. And it's a letter to brand new church, baby Christians, new to the faith. And they were going through a little bit of a tough time. You see, they were living in a culture that was living according to Greek philosophy and Gnosticism, which we looked at a couple of weeks ago, as well as there were Jewish religious fanatics, deeply zealous for their faith, who love to keep all the religious festivals and holidays. And the short story is both of these groups were influencing this new Christian church at Colossae. And false teaching was creeping in amongst these young believers, twisting the basic doctrines of the Christian gospel that Christ and Christ alone is sufficient for your salvation. You see, everyone wanted to add something to Jesus to be saved. Jesus plus this knowledge. Jesus plus this secret information. Or Jesus plus keeping all of these festivals and these religious holidays. Or go to church every Sunday and put money in the plate. And don't do this and do that. And don't break this rule. And, and then you'll be saved. And thank God for putting the right people in our life at the right time. Because the Apostle Paul was there and he stood up for the truth. And he battled these false teachers with this. Jesus is all you need. He is enough for all things, for salvation, 
for freedom from evil and the domain of darkness. And the point is, Jesus is above all. He is supreme and He is all you need. He is enough. No matter what any false teacher of any faith tries to confuse you with or mislead you with. And that is what the letter to the Colossians is all about. And Paul is writing to counter these false teachers and reveal the supremacy of Christ. And so we've just been unpacking this this letter verse by verse. And today we're looking at these four things of the gospel that we all share. Four things that if they don't happen, you're not here this morning. Four things that if they don't happen, there's no relationship between you and God. If they don't happen, there's no Christianity. These four things, if they don't happen, there's no hope. We're separated from a holy and righteous God. And if things don't happen, it doesn't happen for us. And we're in complete darkness and lost forever in the brokenness of our sin. So this morning, as I give you this list, as we go through this, I want you to keep a couple things in mind. Number one, remember the story. Remember your story from darkness to light. of How you first came into contact with Jesus Christ and how God met you. Go back and remind yourself, refresh yourself, that this is what God has done for me. And number two, as you continue on life's journey of following the Lord Jesus, be so familiar with your story of how the King of Kings touched and saved your life and how he impacted you, that it's natural for you to share your faith with others about the most amazing thing that has happened to you. And now... Jesus' good buddy here, the Apostle Peter, he was a blue-collar fella, a fisherman. He had his story changed, life transformed. He went from fishing for, for food, for fish, to fishing for God, fishing for men. And he says in his letter, Peter writes, but sanctify, some translations say set apart, but sanctify or set apart Jesus Christ as Lord in your hearts. In other words, make Jesus number one. Just like Jesus himself says, seek first God's kingdom. We need to make God number one. God's will, God's plan, his ways. Seek first his kingdom. And Peter says, set apart Christ as Lord and always be ready to to give a reason, to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that you have. And do it with gentleness and reverence and respect. But what is this hope that Peter is talking about? The hope is the gospel. And at Thornhill Baptist Church, we are a people of the gospel. The good news of salvation. The good news that we're not going to be held accountable for our sins. The good news that Jesus himself has taken care of the problem of sin for what he did on the cross. And we believe that if you've encountered the gospel and it impacts your entire life, that when you engage with Jesus Christ, everything else will flow out of that. Because the vertical relationship with our Heavenly Father, when that is taken care of, then then the horizontal, the rest of the relationships will take care of themselves. And, And God will fill us with His Holy Spirit and we will make a difference in this broken and hurting, needy world. And so the big idea today, the big truth is this. The four points are from verse 13 and 14 that God has delivered us. He has transferred us. He has redeemed us. And he has forgiven us. And as a new 
Now, before I knew Jesus, I had saw this saying. Have you ever seen this bumper sticker or on a t-shirt, this slogan for Christianity that says, Jesus saves? Of course you have. It's everywhere. I mean, those two words represent all of Christianity is all about. Jesus saves. And before I was a Christian, this was a difficult quote for me. Because for somebody who was looking for truth in the world, I, I guess I was kind of looking for God. And, and this Jesus saves kind of seemed like the wrong starting point. It seemed like an answer to something. And it was confusing me because at this time in my life, before Christ, I was a slave to a lot of worldly pleasures. I mean, I was selfish, self-centered. I was making a lot of money. And I didn't really understand what it meant that Jesus saves. I mean, what did I need to be saved from? I had money. I had friends. Of course, I was living in darkness, and I didn't spend a ton of time thinking about being lost and that I needed to be found. But deep down, I knew that there was something wrong with the world. Deep down, I knew that there was evil and that there was wicked things going on. I could see brokenness all around me. But I still didn't know how to apply the idea that Jesus saves. Perhaps it would have been better if they wore the t-shirt that said, Freddie, you are a sinner. Would have had a better starting point. So I came across this idea that man's greatest problem was sin. And I asked around to find out a little bit more about this so-called darkness that they called sin. I mean, what is sin? That's a loaded question. We won't answer all of that this morning. But let me give you a working definition for the sake of today's message. Um, okay, sin happens in two ways. Number one, sin can be anything you think. Yes, think. You see, our thoughts and motives are important to God. That's why the Bible is continually instructing us to examine ourselves, examine your heart daily. But anyhow, sin is anything you think or say or do that goes against what God has revealed to us according to his scripture. These are called sins of omission, sins of commission, sorry. And the second one is sins of omission. You see, sin is also not doing what God has commanded us to do. Again, according to the scripture, according to the life and teachings of Christ, a person who knows the good that they ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Those are called sins of omission. And now, let me give this to you because I found this out early um, on, in my spiritual journey. I learned that the biggest problem humanity has with sin is something called idolatry. And that is when someone or something replaces your worship of God. It's like if anything or any person that you put in the place of Jesus becomes your God. If sports are more important to you than God, then the arena is your place of worship and your television set is probably your altar. Or if money is more important to you than Jesus, then you worship by buying things or going on trips and the altar could be your credit card. There's a lot of wickedness and evil and brokenness and depravity that comes out of people's sin of idolatry. Sin is living in darkness. And I came to learn that the darkness I was living in and the great evil all around me, this wickedness and this brokenness, was a result of sin. And because I was investigating this Jesus saves, and now I was learning about what was sin, I had to find out well, why this darkness of sin existed. I learned in the beginning that God created everything and that it was good. In fact, he said, it's very good. There was this perfect relationship between God and his creation. They called it shalom, this perfect harmony, this peaceful coexistence, 
awesome, beautiful, unimaginable utopia with Almighty God and people and creation and all of existence just fully living with love and laughter and joy, immersed in the light of God's kingdom and the absence of all that is evil and dark and sin and wickedness and death and pain. None of that. And I learned that God gave humans a choice to love Him, to trust Him, to follow Him, and to enjoy life to the fullest with their Creator and each other and all of creation. But humanity was tempted to get a little bit more for themselves, more wisdom, more insight, more knowledge, so much more that we could be like God. And so people decided that they knew better, that somehow God was holding out on them. And they decided to go their own way and figure out life on their own terms. And, and they, we, broke relationship with the Lord God Almighty. This awesome, powerful, and holy, and righteous, perfect creator, our Father God. We missed the mark. People missed the mark that God designed for their life. And they lost out on his best plan for who we're supposed to be. God kind of sets up this target. And he said, this is the best life for you right here. See the bullseye? I am your creator. The creator of the heavens and the earth. And I made you. And I know what it takes for you to be content. And to be satisfied. And to be at peace. And to enjoy life. I know what's best for you. It's right here. Right in the bullseye. This target, this relationship with me, this is where it's at for you. This is all for you. This is all yours. And we're going to have so much fun together and have so many adventures and enjoy life together. I love you, says God. This is all yours. Just trust me. Follow me. Love me. Listen to me. Sin is missing the mark for which God designed us for and created us for. And as a result of choosing to trust in themselves, they left the light of an eternally perfect coexistence relationship with the holy and righteous and loving almighty God. And the general of the army of evil was allowed to set up his dominion of darkness. And ever since, we've been battling with death and chaos and destruction. And you can read, read this for yourself in the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 3. We learn of the fall of humanity and we see where all of our stories took a tragic turn. Separation enters into the story. From then on, we're separated from each other. We're separated from creation. We're separated from a holy God. And so I learned what sin was and where it came from and the results. And then I completely understood what it meant that Jesus saves. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of eternal life is in Jesus Christ our Lord. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But three chapters later, we have Romans 6, 23. But the bottom line is that we're all in darkness because we're all sinners and sinners need a savior. The scriptures teach us that one day there will be judgment for each of us and each of us will give an account for our life. We are responsible for the darkness of the sin that lives within us. And when we talk about God, quite often I think we just gloss over the fact that He is holy 
and righteous. And he's our judge. Yes, he's all-powerful. Yes, he's all-knowing. He's loving, he's compassionate, and he's slow to anger. But he is holy. And he is our judge. And we skip over that way too quickly. And the point is that one day your sin will be laid out. There's no more hiding. There's no more secrets. There's no more ignorance, no more procrastinating. There's no more time. God's word will still be there. It will still be present. God's word is alive and active and eternal, and it will stare you down one day. But Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Christ is the Savior. And if you are here today, and you're walking in darkness, and you're not sure about eternity, then don't leave here this morning not knowing. Sit down with me or sit down with somebody else here and, and, and let God make you new. We'll pray with you. We'll ask God Almighty to change you. If anybody is here and they're not walking with the Lord Jesus Christ, then I ask you not to take a blind leap of faith into the darkness of an unknown Christianity. I'm asking you to step into the light. Step into the relationship with the God of the universe through his son, Jesus Christ. Faith is a journey with many steps. And a step in the right direction today would be for you to come to the end of yourself and say, God, I'm ready to let you lead. God's grace is a free gift like the scriptures teach us. But just like any other gift, you need to accept it. You need to receive it. You need to take the gift. You need to take the ribbon off and open it up, rip the wrapping paper off, open up this gift and take it out and play with it and receive it. I'm encouraging you to receive God's gift of grace today. Don't wait until Christmas to open up the best gift that's available to you. And when you read that in the scripture in Romans and you see that this eternal life is a free gift from God, please remember, understand that it cost our Father in heaven everything. It cost him his son, Jesus Christ, to die on that cross so you could be forgiven of your sins. And, and salvation is not by some magical prayer that we may sit down together and we may share a sinner's prayer. But the truth is God's spirit has been working in you long before you uttered these words. The journey may have brought you to the point where we do sit down and pray. But you will walk out of here doing a 180 Knowing that God is now in your life, you will have a set of new directions. You will have new motives for the things you do. If you want to be saved of your sins today and be healed and be made new, then come and pray and ask him to fill you with his Holy Spirit. And now we'll close with this. The four points of the gospel in Colossians 1 verse 13 and 14 that bring us all together here. Number one, he delivered us. Ever since chapter 3 of the Bible, the book of Genesis, we have been in the, in, in the hands of the devil, in the domain of darkness. Satan is real whether you believe it or not. Hell is real whether you believe it or not. We're all sinners whether you believe it or not. And one day we're going to stand before a holy, almighty judge. God will ask us to give an account for our life of darkness. And if we're without Jesus, we're going to spend eternity separated from him, from the one who loves you more than anybody else can or ever could, separated from our creator. The book of John says, now judgment is upon the world and the ruler of this world will be cast out. Friends, hell was not created for you. Hell was created for the devil and fallen angels and demons, not for you and me. 
But without our sins being dealt with, we cannot spend eternity with a holy God. So Jesus rescues us from danger. He delivers us. Number two, he transfers us. From the domain of darkness into the light of the kingdom of the Son that he loves. And number three, he redeems us. The word for redeemed here means to release a prisoner by payment of a ransom. And I want to stop something, a little bit of confusion that we have when we read about this. Paul did not suggest that Jesus paid a ransom to Satan in order to rescue you from the kingdom of darkness. That's misleading. That's confusion. It goes like this. By Christ's death on the cross and his resurrection on Easter Sunday, Jesus meets the requirements and fulfills God's holy law. And here's a little example from the Chronicles of Narnia, the Lion and the Witch in the Wardrobe. And there's this battle between the White Witch and Aslan. And the White Witch says to Aslan, Have you forgotten the deep magic? Narnia, at the very beginning... You know that every traitor belongs to me as my lawful prey, and for that every treachery, I have the right to a kill, and so that human creature is mine. And the white witch is speaking of Edmund, the middle brother who, who was a traitor to his brothers and his sisters, and she says, his life is forfeit to me. His blood is my property. Unless I have blood, as the law of all of Narnia says, it'll be overturned and perish in fire or water. And she says to Aslan, have you forgotten the laws upon which Narnia was built? And Aslan roars and he says, do not cite that deep magic to me, which I was there when it was written. And what ends up happening? Aslan is the one who steps in the place of Edmund. And Aslan is, is shamed and beaten and abused and tortured. And Aslan, the lion, is killed in Edmund's place because the law of Narnia needed to be fulfilled. Christ fulfilled God's holy law by dying on the cross for your sins and for mine. And now that Christ has saved us, he delivered us, he transferred us, he redeemed us, and yet Satan is still going to try and accuse you. And if we're not careful, his accusations will still lock us up and we'll feel like we're in prison because he knows that we're guilty of breaking God's law. So it's very important that we remember the ransom has been paid on the cross through faith in Jesus Christ. We've been set free. And there is therefore now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ. He has forgiven us. It was all Jesus. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins according to the riches of his grace. And that's what separates us from all other faith systems is God's grace, unmerited favor. God does all the work. We're justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Jesus Christ. And so what is the point? Jesus Christ is preeminent in salvation. He alone is enough. He is all we need. We make our peace with God through his son, Jesus Christ. We're saved by grace through faith. It's a free gift. 
And it's more than just going to heaven and not going to hell. It's about beginning a relationship with God and fellowshipping with God, your creator, your maker, and enjoying his grace and seeking to do his will and fulfilling the plan that he has for your life. It's the greatest adventure there is. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. When Jesus spoke to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The four saving actions that God does on our behalf are again. He delivered us. He transferred us. He redeemed us. And he has forgiven us. Colossians 1, verse 13, 14. That is the gospel. That's what we're about. Let's bow our heads and pray and we'll be on our way. Father God, you are holy. We sang that this morning. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, I thank you that today if we did not know, there is an opportunity to be made right with you again. Because of sin, death has entered into the world. We are broken. The world is broken. But because of what Christ did on the cross, he atoned for our sins. And he didn't stay dead. He rose again. And he's alive. And he wants to enter in our lives. He wants to fill us with his spirit so that we can live lives that are changed and full of purpose and have meaning. And God, I pray as we leave here this morning, we leave here with an understanding of what the gospel is. We are a forgiven people. God, thank you for what you did for us on the cross. Thank you for loving us enough not to leave us in our sins. And thank you that one day, everything's going to be made new. One day, we're going to be with you forever in a place where there's no more sin, no more pain, no more suffering, no more evil. We look forward to that day. Oh, Lord Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. Go in peace. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, then you need to salvation.